The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. It is Friday, March 29th. I am Josh Dunn. I am joined, as always, by Anshu Khanna and Dan Bauer. Dan, let's start with you. How are you feeling, my friend? Uh, you know, probably about as good as you guys. You know, my Indians take a big L opening uh, opening day here, but you know, at least my my college teams or college team has nothing to do with this tournament. So, you know, <laughs> thoughts and prayers to you too. Yeah, thank God Mount Union is not playing in the big dance. But aren't you? I, I know you feel me here. My brackets busted. Uh, those were two. <laughs> Two teams I had going a long way, and I know that you had uh, at least one of them going far as well. But uh, other than the the obvious, how's the night been? Uh, it's been okay other than that, um, but that's taken up the majority. Oh, and the White Sox totally sucking it up on opening day, and Eloy Jimenez striking out twice in his debut. But that's all right. Whatever. It's good. We're, we're just talking about sports, so it's, it's fine. Uh, everything is good. Everything is good as the building burns around us. I, I think that's probably the best analogy we're going to get here. Yes, yes. But let, let's start. Let's start with the, the tournament. Obviously, we're now in the Sweet 16. We're, we're we've got the first two games here on Thursday night completed. Florida State took a dump all over themselves. They shot three for twenty <laughs> from three point land. And honestly, like as a, as a Florida State basketball fan, watching their defense is a thing of beauty. They switch off of screens like better than anybody I've seen. They they roll usually eleven deep. They had some injuries, obviously. Uh, you know Phil Kofer's dad passing away and he him not being able to be with the team and they but they just could never get it together tonight on you they they end up losing by 14 they won on a few runs where it looked like Florida State was going to be able to pull this thing off and they get within four and then they have the worst offensive possession I've seen them have all season and you know it, it, it was a valiant effort defensively but they just could not keep up on the offensive side of the ball in this game I feel yeah I mean like not having Phil Kofer like at some point you know just it, it adds up, right? Like Gonzaga's a damn good team. They're thirty-three and three. They've been dominant in efficiency-wise all season. They beat Duke on a neutral floor earlier this season. They beat some good teams, but Florida State, you know, down the stretch was every bit as good as Gonzaga throughout the season. They played well. I thought, like you know, you look at the way that this game went, um, and you know the the back and forth that was happening, especially in the second half. Uh, you know, it just it unfortunately they just sort of ran out of gas. And when you don't have one of your key pieces, it's just tough to beat a team like Gonzaga. And I think Florida State deserves a lot of credit for the way they've looked the last few tournaments. You know, you have a lot of teams that have kind of choked all around them. And what Leonard Hamilton has done with Florida State's been impressive. Um, you know, obviously Trent Forrest was valiant in this game, eight of eleven. 25 and four. I mean, he was awesome. I thought, yeah. And you know, they've got a lot of good players. Rui Hachimura is just too good. Too many NBA players on Gonzaga, but Florida state will be back. I think they bring pretty much everybody back next year, likely. So they're going to be really good. And, um, you know, I, I just feel like this isn't the last we've heard of, of the Knowles in the next year or two. 
Yeah, I mean, they've definitely done a good job of, of keeping a deep roster over the past few seasons. Obviously, Gonzaga avenging their loss to Florida State last year, which put Florida State into the Elite Eight. So a uh, big win for Gonzaga. And, and if you haven't yet, as we're talking about this college NCAA tournament, if you haven't yet, our friends over at BovadaSportsbook.com still have the Celebrity Bracket Challenge going on. I know the three of us have picked our favorite celebrity out of the four, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with who whose bracket is the best. Uh, they're, they're randomly going to pull from a prize pool of $5,000 that's up for grabs. So uh, I know for me, it was it was all Team Ocho Cinco, obviously the former Bengal, one of my favorite football players of all time. Uh, Anshu, I, I couldn't remember if you told me you were a big Snoop Dogg guy or not. Was that was that who you had in this, in this thing? Oh, yeah, of course. I know, yeah, I had Snoop, but I think more importantly, we know who Dan had, right, Dan? Uh, you know, I, I do happen to have a favorite, uh, probably the, <laughs> the most controversial of of all these celebrity brackets and uh good thing my mother doesn't listen to the show <laughs> <laughs> yes lisa ann is uh dan's personal favorite and i think she's doing pretty well if i'm not mistaken yeah so uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely knows the round ball <laughs> Indeed, indeed. If you haven't had an opportunity to do that, please check it out at Bovada. Um, but uh, we're going to move through our brackets, and I'm looking at my busted Bovada official bracket myself. Uh, but we also had the Tennessee-Purdue game, and aren't you, Dan, I know you guys were both texting me during the end of this game. You know, It was that crazy foul call where Carson Edwards kicks out his leg uh, and ends up drawing a foul on a three-pointer with about one second left in the game. He ends up missing the first and making the next two to force overtime. But basically, Purdue gifted this game, Dan. I mean, what what did you think of that call? I thought it was one of the worst calls. And it just kind of it, it highlights how bad this tournament has been from a refereeing standpoint for me. I mean, it's just been awful the entire way. Yeah, that's a tough call to make with a game on the line. You're used to seeing it's normally a call that just you swallow your whistle, you let it go, uh, you know, to, to essentially – insert yourself in the game right that's one of those things that you'd always talk about referees and officials uh not being the most talked about or not inserting themselves in the game and that very much was so uh it is a tough call i agree with you on that one uh but the stones to hit two free throws after you missed the first one knowing that game is on the line uh, i mean absolutely shout out uh to purdue for for being able to to tie that game up um but yeah i mean i agree with you that's that's a tough call to make in that situation yeah, I mean, that's, I, I've seen – I just feel like it's been bad all, all across the board during this tournament. There's just been a lot of bad calls. But I, I think Tennessee, you know, the comeback that they had – I mean, Purdue was up by close to 20 for a lot of this game. And in the second half, kind of Tennessee woke up and they, they, they really put on a good run there to, to take the lead. And it looked like they were going to run away with the game. And then Purdue just hung around. Klein hit a few th- big threes. Carson Edwards kind of had some some key drives in the game. And, you know, I know you're a big Carson Edwards fan, aren't you? But uh, did you think Purdue down the stretch was going to be able to, to, to hang in there the way they did and pull off the victory in overtime the way they did? The only reason I did is because you and I both had Tennessee. That's, <laughs> yeah, <pretty laughs> and much. I just knew there's no way we could both be happy. That's like that. I mean, when Tennessee came roaring back, this game was eerily similar to the Iowa-Tennessee game last week. Tennessee comes up on the losing end this time after holding off Iowa last week. And, you know, it was just absurd. I mean, Ryan Klein, to hit seven threes out of ten is just crazy. Like, 10 of 13 from the field. And just, like, where the hell did this dude come from? I mean, he he averaged, like, 10 probably a game for just a total role player for Purdue. But that's kind of what you need in margin. And, like you said, a couple clutch plays by Carson. And, you know, I, I felt like 
when Carson got fouled on that three that he was going to hit all three of those. When he missed that first, it was like, oh, my God, is he is he going to choke? And then, as Dan said, big-time brass ones to go and hit the next two. And, you know, from there, it just felt like they were going to hold him off. I, I had picked Tennessee because I just thought that they were going to be able to go to town inside. And if they weren't doing that for the first three quarters of the game, then suddenly something clicked and that senior-laden team, you know, put it together. But ultimately just not enough depth on Tennessee and Purdue just – you know, you hit like 13, 15 of 31 threes. Like you're not going to lose many games like that in the Sweet 16. Yeah, and it was back and forth there for a while. I mean, this was one of the more entertaining games, at least up until uh, overtime happened. It was one of the more entertaining games I've seen in this tournament. There haven't been a ton of them. Um, but Admiral Schofield took a while to get going, and then they stopped going to him late in the game. And it, it, kind, of ended up, it kind of ended up being their demise. I mean, he's by far the best player on that team. He does start slow, but then, you know, as they start the comeback, he starts kind of getting things, putting things together, and, and then they just stopped going to him in overtime. And I just, I never understood that. Um, I think Tennessee was the better team, but obviously this tournament, uh, you know, there's, there's been a lot stranger things that have happened in this tournament. Not really this year. Obviously a lot of chalk this year, but uh, – but there's two more games to be played tonight. You've got four more tomorrow. Any any thoughts, uh, you know, looking at tonight's game? Texas Tech up up a little bit here in the first half. Uh, then we've got Oregon and Virginia starting not not too far away. And then uh, the games tomorrow. And any overreaching themes you guys are keeping an eye on as we look toward the rest of this weekend here and uh, uh, finally seeing who ends up in this Final Four? I mean, these two I mean, games are uh, – these, sorry, these two games are going to be super boring and slow. Just like I uh, – both – all four of these teams are defensive-oriented. Oregon came rolling into this game just shooting the lights out. And if they keep playing the way they did through the Pac-12 tournament, through the first two rounds, they can absolutely beat Virginia. But I just feel like Virginia is going to end that thing and, and kick that ass. So we'll see about that. I don't know. Dan, you got any thoughts about the whole weekend? I mean, I was just going to say, I think, look for continued strength out of the Big Ten. I, I know that Purdue win wrecks a lot of brackets, but, you know, the top of there, uh, you know, I think Michigan's going to roll through this uh, next couple of games. You know, they, out of them in my final four, uh, you know, we've, it's, a, it's a very strong conference, and uh, I wouldn't say underrated because I think, you know, it's pretty valid, but obviously Ohio State uh, wins a game in this tournament, uh, and you had Minnesota winning a game, uh, Maryland you know, I mean, everyone thought is, Wisconsin. Yeah, I was trying to avoid pointing <laughs> that okay. out for you. <laughs> but you know, I I think the strength of the Big Ten is very evident in this tournament. I can I expect that to continue. Yeah, and there's there's some obvious Big Ten teams still around. You've got Michigan State that'll play LSU tomorrow. LSU, I've been you know, for, to some people they've been a surprise. Obviously. You know the the issues that they've had and their head coach being suspended, and you know they're they're looking very strong after a very narrow victory that they had in that second round. They'll take on MSU. Uh, you've got Auburn and North Carolina, and really, like I said, there's a lot of chalk tomorrow. I, I think this game, this this uh, Final Four, could look very chalky as well. And it's just been to me one of the most let, one of the biggest letdowns as far as an NCAA tournament in years past that I can ever remember. And it has nothing to do with who's in the tournament. It just has to do with the kind of the way that it's that it's shaked out. We've only had a couple close games. We haven't really had any big time buzzer beaters. We had that, you know, that the one that we just mentioned, but it just it just hasn't really been a great tournament experience and they can't all be you're not going to have you know year in and year out upset after upset and you know we talked about uh, you know in previous shows how this year that's kind of been that 
that you know how it ebbs and flows where you have the mid majors that get higher seeds with, like they have this year. Last year they were more the lower seeds and pulled off some big upsets when they had good seasons. And I think we'll see that kind of go back the other direction probably next year. But for me, it's been a big letdown. I I, I just. I feel like you know that 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 game where Duke ends up beating UCF after looking like they were going to go down and probably should have gone down. That was you know an inch away from that layup going in. I, j- I just feel like that's kind of been the way that this tournament was going to shake out. You're going to have you know a few close games here and there, and and ultimately you're going to end up probably seeing Duke against North Carolina in the championship. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, it, you know, it's always fun. Like, you know, I think we're going to have a lot of good games this round because all the chalk has moved up. And, like, I think there's a strong case to be made that, you know, the Sweet 16, if you if you had to pick the 16 best teams in the country, I think you've got probably 14 or 15 of them, which is very rare. And I think that makes for some better games. But and, you know, hopefully we'll get some bigger games in these huge moments. But, you know, a lot of the charm of the tournament is like the Anteaters teams making the Sweet 16, you know, the Loyolas and those types and, um, you know, we just haven't, we're just not going to get that this year. So it is what it is. Like the biggest upset, basically the tournament's been Purdue making the elite eight and they're a three seed. So it's, you know, and they're a big time school. So it's like, you know, it's, it, this, this tournament is going to lack that sort of Cinderella charm, but, um, you know, it'll, it'll bounce itself out in the next few years, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, but let's move on. I, I'm willing to move on from this tournament for this show, and I think we all are. And uh, I think we're excited about what else Thursday brought to us, and that was opening day in Major League Baseball. I know you two in particular, uh, you know, huge baseball guys. This is an exciting time for both of you, probably for different reasons. I think the Sox are still a little bit away, aren't you? And obviously I'm here in this boat with you. Uh, but for Dan, you know, your tribe is still in their window, you would hope. Uh, but they didn't see what you expected to see out of them today. So just on the surface, why don't you guys take a minute to talk about what you expect to see from your teams, and then we'll kind of get in our, into our predictions and look at the you know what Bovada has as far as uh, you know what they think will will shake out from the divisions uh, to the NL and AL championships, and then we'll talk World Series. But Dan, why don't you give us what your thoughts are of your tribe here as we look toward this season? I mean, the first big thing is they got to get healthy. Uh, obviously, no Francisco Lindor or Jason Kipnis here for opening day and probably not for at least a few weeks uh, as they're both dealing with injuries. Uh, Francisco Lindor on his way up to, to Anshu's favorite place, Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, to get looked at by one of the Packers soccer's actually uh, for uh, his his ankle calf issues. Continue to bug him. Same Jason Kipnis uh, also with some calf issues still. So, I mean, the first things get healthy and it's really just survive until September, October. Uh, they're, uh, you know, barring something very unforeseen, they're going to win the division. Uh, guys just need to get healthy. And I'm excited personally to see uh, what guys like Bowers and Luplo can do. I know a lot of Cleveland's not happy that we didn't sign or trade for a big time outfielder. The, the, you know, the payroll's just not there. Logistically, money-wise, it's just not there. Uh, but I think expect another Josh Donaldson-type uh, deal here at the trade deadline, um, except, you know, for some outfield bat, maybe two, uh, just depending on, on on what's available. So it's really just survive, uh, get healthy, survive, uh, win 94 games, and we'll see you in the playoffs. All right, that's fair. I think uh, I think you're safe in saying that they're the favorite to win the division, and we'll get to that. But aren't you staying in the AL Central? What are your thoughts on the Chicago White Sox? Obviously, very young team. We had the Eloy Jimenez deal, which we were both excited about. He bats in the five hole today. Not a great first game, but it's good to see him 
wearing the pinstripes and, and, and being out there. Uh, what do you think this Chicago White Sox team has in store for this year? Obviously very young, very excited about it, but uh, how far away do you think this team is from being competitive? Um, I think they're exactly 365 days away from being competitive. <laughs> um, no, they're, they're – yeah, they're – you know, I was hoping last year would be the last really crappy year for us, but alas, you know, there's a very realistic alternative reality where – you know, this White Sox team has Michael Kopik pitching today and, you know, that they've got, um, you know, Manny Machado at third base and they've got Jock Peterson in the outfield. And, you know, they're and obviously Eloy also with the with the extension. And, and that's a completely different complexion because they don't you know, it's it's there's a little bit of a cloud over this team. Um, and that's unlike that's in contrast to the last few years where we knew you know, going in, we were ready for the haul. And I think that's going to make this year more trying than other rebuilds um, because the White Sox were in it on Harper and Machado because they were in, you know, the Peterson talks and because Michael Kovic got hurt and really, you know, I think kind of set this whole thing backwards coming into this year. So, you know, from that perspective, it's just got, it's cast a pall on this season. But, you know, there's exciting players that are ready to make the move. The reason why it would have been fun is because there are guys that are ready to go. I mean, Moncada's ready. He's got, there's no more excuses for you on Moncada. Um, you know, Carlos Rodon, this is it, man. Like, you're healthy finally. You got to get going and, and be the ace that you've got the stuff to be. And, you know, there, there are other guys. I mean, Ronaldo Lopez, Lucas Giolito, they've got, a lot of their all those those names that critical mass of talent that Rick Hahn always talks about they've all they're all here and I mean a lot of them are here not all of them but a lot of them especially on the pitching staff and you know they've got to kind of start showing flashes and be you know what the Braves and the Brewers were you know a year early you know they, they should win at least 75 games I think or else it's I think it's going to be a little bit of a disappointment um, just because they have they have these guys that are on the cusp and that are ready to be a members of young members of a playoff team or a contender. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, you do have a lot of youth still, so there are going to be growing pains, but you would hope that at some point in this season, they get to a point where they're kind of comfortable in their own skin. And some of those pitchers that you mentioned are, are at least at a point where, where they're winning games that they're supposed to, they're keeping the socks in games and not necessarily having to, to score 10 runs to win a game. Uh, like we saw a lot of times last year. And right. I think I think they have the capability of doing that. Uh, it's just going to be a, a function of whether or not they, they do it and how early that, that happens. So uh, I think they'll be a Absolutely. fun team to watch. I think there'll be a lot of excitement in the organization and, and kind of with the fans like, uh, like you and I have, have talked about over and over. But there's definitely going to be some time there. Uh, so let's stay with the American League Central. Let's kind of walk through the divisions. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts and predictions. They've got the Sox at plus 2,000, Dubovada. The Twins are who they think has the second best chance of winning the division and then dan they've got your tribe at minus 450 do you guys see this the same way dan yeah i mean i, I don't understand how anybody could not pick the indians unless you're just betting on on major injuries i agree with what Anshi said uh the, the Sox are probably 365 days or a healthy michael kopek away from from being competitive uh the twins took a big step back last year after having a, a, a somewhat upstart 2016 I, I just don't there's just talent is not there uh there's just not enough pitching uh after their their first two guys so uh, i think the Indian, i would i would keep that exactly as bovada does yeah i mean the twins were kind of a sexy pick last year and like you said they, they underperformed in a big way I, I have heard some folks thinking that they could be competitive and, and maybe 
give uh, the Indians a run for their money if they're if you know they they have some injury problems. But I, I think from a talent perspective, you have to think Cleveland, right? Aren't you? I do. Yeah, you have to. I mean, look. So my they're minus four fifty. That basically weighs out to about you know eighty, probably eighty five percent, eighty three percent likelihood. That seems right to me. Um, you know, that's a tough bet to to lay going into a season. But you know, it, it, here's the thing: like, even if the Indians lose their two best players, let's say, and right now they don't have their two best hitters, or I mean, certainly their best. And you know, Jose Ramirez will will be back soon. And, and you know, say Kluber gets hurt, basically, they're still they still arguably have the four best pitchers in the division. That's insane, or at least three of the four best pitchers if you include Jose Barrio. So you know. The Indians are are a lock, I think, to make the playoffs. I don't know that I'd bet minus four fifty, but it seems right. Um, you know, it just I just wouldn't want to like hold a hundred dollar or four hundred fifty bucks just hanging out there for a hundred dollar payout. But Indians are going to win this division. Yeah, I think that's fair. And of the closest of the divisions in the American League, we've got the AL East, at least as far as Bovada's odds go, and that's because the Yankees and the Red Sox are going to be duking it out for what seems to be the entire season. Uh, but uh, Chris Sale didn't look great today. I mean, his stuff just wasn't there. Uh, the Red Sox are at plus 120 as far as Bovada's concerned. They've got the Yankees at minus 135. And then their, I guess you'd call it their dark horse, is Tampa Bay at plus 950. And then the Blue Jays and the Orioles are on the outside looking in. But aren't you? Obviously, New York and Boston is the story here. Which one of these two teams do you think has the edge? Yeah, you know, I was down on the Yankees pitching last year. I'm down on the Red Sox pitching this year. I think that... You know, they had a long postseason last year. I thought that they're right. They gave Nathan Yovaldi a lot of money for one good year after being hurt for a long time, and he's not getting any younger. Um, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be better for them, but, you know, I don't see a lot there. Um, you know, I, I just I think they're a little bit overrated in their pitching staff. Uh, you know, they're a really good team, but um, that being said, I don't get how they're plus 120 the Yankees are minus 135. Like, how aren't they the same? The Yankees still do have those pitching issues. They did add our favorite pitcher on this show, James Paxton. But, like, they, <laughs> you know, they, Luis Severino's banged up. I mean, they've they've got issues in that rotation big time. Louis, they're counting on, like, Luis Sessa and young Jay pitchers Hap. like Domingo Herman. <laughs> yeah, Jay Happ's, like, 36, right? And so... Like I, I so so I'm turning to Tampa plus nine fifty is crazy odds like that that should not happen that way and I I just think that they're too smart and too you know they they've got weird stuff like the opener but I think there are flaws with the Yankees and Red Sox that make me lean I'm not saying I think the Rays will win the division but at plus nine fifty I think that's a really interesting bet if I was going to Bovada and betting on this. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, the odds when you when you're looking for a you know a long shot division winner, that's the kind of odds you would want to see. I, I you know obviously the Rays aren't going to be an attractive pick for anybody as far as who's going to win the division. But if you're trying to lay some money down and want a long shot that you can maybe hedge later, as you talk about a lot, aren't you? That might be a place yeah. to do it. But uh, Dan, kind of back to Boston, New York. Uh, you know, obviously this could be a team that you could see your tribe face in the playoffs. Uh, you know, first of all. Who do you think has the edge and why? And who would you rather see come playoff time? So I'll, I'll take a little bit of a middle ground that Anshu took there. I think that's a smart money bet on Boston. Uh, I, you know, he, I know he mentioned he thinks the Red Sox staff is overrated. I think the Yankees staff is overrated. So uh, I would put some money on Boston there. Uh, and, it, you know, I don't think I'd be heading to Bovada and, and popping money on the Rays. Uh, but I get, I get your point. 
on there. Uh, I've been kind of consistently down on the Yankees and, and not really believing that come playoff time that they, they're going to consistently have the pitching to be able to do it. Um, so I, I, you know, you asked who I'd rather see at playoff time. Absolutely would rather see the Yankees. I know it sounds kind of crazy. I mean, the, the bullpen's great, but I just, from, uh, especially in a long series, right? If you, if you get them ALCS versus ALDS, mm-hmm. there's no way, there's no way the Yankees have the pitching to beat you, uh, to beat the Indians in the ALCS. The starting could, pitching. Yeah, starting pitching. Yeah, if yeah. it's if it's ALDS, obviously we saw that. Uh, you know, we've seen that previously. That can kind of a little bit go either way. You have you know, Kluber's got a bad start, and all of a sudden you're in trouble. Uh, but if it's if you can get get him in the ALCS, it's a whole different ball game. Uh, and um, that is my take on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I I think their bullpen, like you you alluded to it, Dan. I think they probably have one of the deepest bullpens in in the league, if not just the AL. Uh, but but I do think that they're going to have some struggles with that starting pitching. I'm interested to see the body of work of guys like Severino and your boy Paxton Anshu and see if Jay Happ can revive revitalize his career. I just I just don't know if that rotation it, it, it kind of worries me. And and to have them as the favorite, I think a safer maybe not a safer bet, but at plus 120, I'd much rather lay the money on the Red Sox to win the division. They have the bats that the Yankees have, and I just think they have the edge with the starting pitching at this point. So I, I would lean Red Sox as well. Um, going to the, Not to mention those two real quick, just to yeah. put a bow on it. Those those big bats on the Yankees are always hurt. Like at this point, it's become a thing. Yeah. Stanton and Judge have never been healthy for a full season. At full stop, right? They, they just... They've never been able to to put together a 162 game season. So even if you say the strength of the Yankees is their bats, I mean these guys are always hurt. Like they're the, and even you know we've got uh, the shortstops out too, right? So like the, it always happens with them, and and I think that's something you have to consider with them. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, so the, the the biggest odds here, or at least the the biggest favorite in the American League, is the Houston Astros. They're at plus, or excuse me, minus 700. The Oakland A's went on a little a bit of a late push last year. They're at plus 650. The Angels, who just secured Trout for eternity, are at plus 950. And then the others, <laughs> the the Mariners and the Rangers, are, are the outsiders looking in. Um, you know, obviously the Astros are going to be everyone's pick. You know, they they built the farm system the right way, and now they have the stars to show that they did it the right way. Uh, obviously, they're going to be the attractive pick there. But can you see Oakland or, or the Angels making a push, uh, Dan? Zero chance. Uh, honestly, if we could just – we should just have the Yankees and Red Sox play 162 and have <laughs> the Indians and the Astros just, okay, you win your divisions. There is no point in playing it if you're anybody else. So, I mean, you can put money on the Astros and, and bet your 700 bucks at Bovada to win 100, but it's, you know, it's probably your smartest bet as silly as it sounds. Yeah, I mean, Anshu, the, the AL does kind of seem, you know, like we – at least we think we know exactly how it's going to shake out. You're going to have Astros, Indians, and either the Yankees or the Red Sox, and then you're going to have either the Yankees or the Red Sox as one of the, the uh, wildcard teams, and then, you know, pick any of the Twins, the, the, the Athletics or the Rays as, as that the last wildcard team. Yeah, it feels pretty inevitable. <laughs> and like I said, I, I – I think the Rays are a good value bet here at Bovada, but like other than that, I, I just I agree, and I agree with Dan that like you it's know, unfortunate with a 162 game season to feel that way, isn't it? It it is, it is. I mean, it sucks. Like for the White Sox, it sucks if you're like the A's or the or the Angels. It like you basically have no chance. Like at least for 
I, I mean, I guess there's always a chance you get in the tournament. You're a, you're a wild card team. Who knows? But like, it's just got to be so demoralizing, you know. And even as like an Astros fan, isn't it kind of boring? Like, all right, let's just. And even for the Indians, like, let's just fast forward these 162 games. Who gives a damn? Like, this stuff's not going to matter unless we go on like a just a terrible string of luck. So yeah, I, it does feel like we know what's going to happen. Um, you know, crazy stuff happens. Maybe we get a random wild card team. But these, at the end of the day, we're going to have the Astros in the playoffs. We're going to have the Indians in the playoffs. We're likely going to have both of the Rays, and, or I'm sorry, both of the Red Sox and Yankees, probably the Rays, and then one ran, one of these random teams will make it too. So it just is what it is. It kind of sucks. Yeah, it does. It does. But the good news is when we look to the other side in the NL, it's the complete yes. opposite story. It's going to be very competitive in, I think, every division personally. I mean, the Dodgers are probably the biggest favorite, and they are as – here on Bovada at minus uh, 450. They've got the Rockies at plus 400 and the Padres at plus 1100. So let's start there in the West. Obviously, the Dodgers are the big favorite to win the NL, uh, but who do you see as kind of a dark horse here, aren't you? In the entire NL? No, just looking uh, at the West. Oh, at the West? Well, I, I think that the Rockies, they re sign Arenado. I think Herman Marquez is a superstar and John Gray had a really nice bounce back second half. I know that when you think of the Rockies, you don't think of their pitching, but those two guys and Kyle Freeland, I mean, they've, they've done a good job of assembling decent pitchers, you know, around. And then obviously the Padres are the team of the off season, right. Other than maybe the Phillies. So you have Machado and Tatis is playing from day one, which is odd. Um, you know, they've got tons of pitching. They they're starting Chris Paddock and a bunch of other rookies. Like they're, there's a lot of talent in San Diego, and I think that that's a team certainly to watch as well. And you never know it's San Francisco. So I think any of those teams, but I specifically would circle the Rockies, and I expect them to win a wild card spot. Dan, how far away do you think the Padres are? We know the youth is there. We know they signed Machado. The pitching is a bit of a concern. But how far away do you think this Padres team is from maybe you know being one of those, like we talk about with the Braves, being competitive, maybe getting a wild card? Well, I'm going to stick with the, the theme here and say 365 days. Uh, I, I, you know, I think Machado, uh, the addition of him, is going to speed things up. I think they're going to win more uh, games than what a lot of people are predicting. You know, I, I could see, I could see him fighting for a while, curse by the end. I don't think they're going to get one of them, but I think, uh, you know, if you would have asked me. Sands Machado, I'd say maybe two seasons till they could win a division. And with him, I'm saying it's one season. Uh, I think they'll, I think they'll be competitive. I think they'll, you know, they'll be the in that wild card race until probably late July. And I think then these other teams are going to start pulling away who just do have the experience. You got to remember, you know, a big thing with these young guys is you hit that kind of 130, 140 game wall uh, that you just you're not used to doing it when you've been playing in 120 in the minors. There's there is a point where you just your body's just not used to it and you're just not physically ready to do it no matter how hard you train and no matter what you're going to do. So I, I think you're going to see that. I think they're going to fall off uh, about that point just because they are so young. Aren't you mentioned all those young guys who uh, who, who are getting starts from day one or who are going to start here as soon as you won't lose a year of service time. So uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun uh, if you're a Padres fan. But I'd agree with Anshu. I think the Rockies are are a, a smart money bet on that one. And we saw the struggles with the Dodgers last year. You just never know. Sometimes, uh, and whatever it is, like the the those West Coast teams and those West Coast divisions always just have a 
there's just something in the water. I don't know. It's just you, it's yeah. hard to predict. It's hard to predict. Uh, oil. You know. There's oil in the water. <laughs> And and not a lot of water, so maybe that's really the, the key. Just there you go. All, all those droughts, not enough water, and guys are getting, guys are getting tired. There it is. Let's move to the east, the NL East. Stay away from the West Coast and the oily water. Uh, but we've got another competitive one here. The Phillies actually the favorite on Bovada at plus 175. They've got the Braves. We've talked about their rebuild at plus 240. The Nats, Natitude, plus 285. And then the Mets, a uh, bit of a sleeper pick are the Mets this year. They're at plus 330. So this could be a very fun, maybe the most competitive division, if not the central, but we'll get to that. Uh, but, uh, Anshu, how do you see the East shaking out? Yeah, I think these these three are so much better than the AL. And uh, we can't fast forward through these because we don't know. And, you know, today on opening day, we have a little bit of a, a hint. I mean, Jacob deGrom and the Mets go on the road to Washington and beat Max Scherzer. Uh, on day one so that's maybe a little bit of a sign I mean I I don't see the Mets having the staying power I think the Nats have too much young talent Um, even without Bryce Harper I I just think that they're so good I think they have the most underrated player in the game in Anthony Rendon so um, I like the Nats I've picked them every year since time immemorial I feel like but you know those three any of those four teams could win it I'm down on the Phillies a little bit but I like those other three specifically and uh, I think we'll see the other wildcard team other than the Rockies come out of this division so you you like the Nats at plus 285 then for your money maybe not yeah absolutely I do plus that's a really good I I like those odds a lot I don't like the Phillies I I mean I feel like that's just such an obvious pick because of Harper but um, I you know I I like those those next two teams the Braves plus 240 Nats plus 285 Dan, any uh, any differing thoughts there? Yeah, I think maybe for the first time on the show uh, today, we're going to disagree. I really like Atlanta. Uh, I would agree with Anshu from the perspective of Philly. Just uh, you know, while they made some big name splashes, uh, again, it's going to be a theme that we've talked about today. Just not enough pitching. I think um, long term. I mean, you did have some some breakout seasons last year. I don't know. It, necessarily know if that's sustainable i think it was a little bit fluky uh from that perspective for the phillies i think they're gonna be very good i think the phillies are i, I would say the phillies snag a wild card spot uh if if i'm betting on that but i think atlanta uh i think they 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 we knew that they had a very strong uh farm system we've been talking about it for since we started this show uh you know it's a couple of years now uh and you saw it last year really come to fruition. And I think that's only continued to grow with that experience. Uh, I, I think you saw a lot of guys grow up really fast last year and expect that to continue this year. All right, fair enough. Let's get to the central. We've got the other Chicago team, the Chicago Cubs. I know we have a lot of friends here in Chicago who root for the Cubs. Uh, you and I don't, Anshu, obviously. We like those Southsiders. But uh, they've got the Cubs at plus 210, the Cardinals at plus 215, and the Brewers at plus 245. They think this one's going to be close. And interestingly enough, the other two teams in the division, the Reds at plus 750 and the Pirates at only plus 800, the, even the, the, the team with the worst odds in this division are far better than anybody else sitting at the number five spot in their division. So, Dan, where do you think the Central ends up? So I think the Central ends up with Milwaukee. I think uh, we've been they've been kind of right there for, you know, again, we've talked about this team for years. Uh kind of thing and i expect expect milwaukee to do it i just i don't think chicago has done enough to get better and to really separate themselves that was a team i was looking at this offseason of you know you do need to make another couple big moves i think to really separate yourself and it just didn't happen 
Uh, so I think it goes Milwaukee. But if we're talking about some interesting money delay, and I know we have a couple friends who are going to like this comment, but the Cincinnati Reds at plus 750, you know, that was a team who who really broke out last year, who was pushing for a playoff spot there towards the end. Uh, and if you're really looking for for some fun money to lay, I think it's the Cincinnati Reds. Interesting. I know Anchi likes that one. They're another team that's kind of built it the right way. Uh, but do you think the Central – I know you've liked the Milwaukee Brewers in this division in years past. Uh, do you think that this is, again, the Brewers potentially coming out of this, or have the Cubs kind of stayed relevant enough to still be the favorite here? I think it's – it's so tight, and I, I would give the deference to the Brewers. I don't get how the Brewers are plus 245 and the Cubs are plus 210. I guess it's just because, like, Cub fans bet more. That's just the way it is. There are so many Cub fans. Um, but, like, so value-wise, the Brewers are a steal. Even the Cardinals are a steal. I agree with Dan. The Reds are a huge steal at that price. If I had to pick one team, I'd probably, gun to my head, say the Cubs, just because the Brewers starting pitching is a problem. Like, I mean, they've – They've gotten through it, and there's something about this lineup for sure that's they've got the vibe. But I just feel like the Cubs are probably the safer bet. But I, if I if I had to bet one of these, like money wise, I would bet the Brewers because I just think that first of all, I think that they're going to trade for a pitcher again. I'll say that, but I, they have to at some point. They're not going to roll with Julius Chassin as their number one starter. It's not going to happen. They'll get they'll get Jimmy Nelson back in the middle of the season. They've got a couple of really good young pitchers in Woodruff and Burns that are going to be better for them. But, you know, they've got they've they've got to shore up that starting pitching at some point to match how good that hitting and defense and bullpen are. And um, in those ways, they're better than the Cubs, I think. Um, but, you know, the starting pitching, there's a gulf, especially if Darvish comes back and is a lot better. All right, that's fair. So we, we, we did get long in the tooth with our preview, and I expected that, and I'm okay with that, and I love that. But let's we've heard your thoughts on the teams in each division. So let's quickly move through who we think is going to win the pennant on each side. Dan, I'll give you the honors in the American League because I have a feeling I know who you're going to say. And, and just before, before you give it, though, Bovada's got the Yankees as the favorite at plus 275. They've got Boston at plus 300, Houston at plus 300, and then your Indians at plus 700. So they agree that those are the four teams. Uh, but we're, uh, do you believe in your tribe? Do you do it? I need to hear it this this early on. At, at, seven, at plus 700, I think that's a great bet, uh, to be honest. Like I said, anything can happen once you get in the playoffs. So I think plus 700 for the tribe, Amovada, um, is a bet that I would I would hit hard. Um if I'm really picking, I think, you know, I think you you got to pick the Astros if you're betting the non uh, non fan money. I'll go Houston. Okay, on you, dude. Come on, Dan Kluber, Carrasco, <laughs> Clevenger, Bieber. Are you kidding me? You got you got Brad Hand out of the bullpen. You got Kipnis and. Uh, coming back, and then obviously got Lindor and Ramirez. Uh, I'll save my home, my Homer trolling Josh self for for September <laughs> October. I don't want to start the listeners out just Homer picks from the get go. Yeah, well, I I've picked the Indians for like four straight years, so I will spare you and our buddy Corey this this year, and I will not pick the Indians. And I <laughs> I, I do think the Astros are back. I just they're so good. I think Alex Bregman's going to be the MVP. I think he's an absolute breakout star. I mean, he's already broken out, but he is he is going to be on that Benintendi Trout um, you know track. I think this year or Betts and Trout. I I think 
Bregman's your MVP. I think the Astros win the pennant. I think they ultimately will win the World Series as well. So I like the Astros. Okay. What about the National League pennant? We've got the Dodgers at plus 375. The Phillies oddly have the second best odds. Again, that money's being bet because everybody's all aboard the Bryce Harper train. Plus 550. Cubs are plus 600. They've got the Cardinals right there at plus 600. Then the Braves, Brewers, and Nationals all at plus 900. Aren't you? How's your NL shake out? I mean, if you're picking anyone but the Dodgers, you're just getting cute. Honestly, they're just too good. Like their their talent up top to bottom is too good. They they roll too deep at almost every position. It's like a football roster. It's absurd. Do How injuries they concern are. you though? Out... I mean, Rich I mean, Hill and Clayton Kershaw cannot stay healthy. So if those guys get hurt, they just roll with Bueller and Julio Urias and whoever else. You know, like that's that's a thing. And then their prospects are so good that they can just go trade for literally the best player on the market at any time. They're they are so well built from the inside out because of Andrew Friedman and his Tampa Bay Rays style. And they refuse to overpay for anybody. So they've got you know, they've got like AJ Pollock is like their their starting outfielder, but he's gonna be like a platoon guy. They're they're just so amazingly set up to win. I, I think the Dodgers are a lock to win the NL. But odds wise, you know, if you're looking for a good bet other than that, like a dark horse team, I think that the Nats at plus nine hundred are still a good bet, but the Mats at plus twelve hundred. If you like any of those teams, the NL rolls like literally nine, ten deep, or you could even say the Padres at plus twenty five hundred. You lay a hundred bucks, you get a two hundred uh twenty five hundred dollar payout. I mean, that's pretty solid. So um, there are a lot of decent bets you could make here, but I, I'm going with the Dodgers as my pick. All right, Dan, take us home. Are you as high on the Dodgers as our buddy Anshu? Yeah, I'd agree. I, you're, I think Anshu said it perfectly. If you're picking anybody else, you're just trying to get cute. Uh, but I'll give you a different dark horse team and a team I just talked about. I love the Atlanta Braves. I really do think that they're just a, a team who's going to continue to rise uh, and just continue as they grow up, uh, quote-unquote, it's just going to continue to get better. So that's going to be my dark horse money pick. Uh, if you're trying to really make some money on this bet, I go with the Atlanta Braves. i got to say, guys, I'm surprised. I know you said, Anshu, that you like the Astros to win the World Series. They've got the Yankees with the best odds here on Bovada at plus 600. That's absurd. I, I, I'm surprised by that. I'm surprised that the Phillies are here at the fifth best odds at plus 1,000. They've got Boston and, Houston, Boston and Houston at uh, plus 650 and, and L.A. at plus 750. I want to hear your your picks, Josh. Give us a pennant winner and a, and a World Series champion. I mean, I, I like what both of you said and agree with a lot of what you said, Anshu, about the Dodgers and how deep they are and whether or not, you know, there there are some injuries that they have, kind of similarly to the Indians. I mean, when you look at the starting pitching, the Indians faced some injuries last year, and obviously they didn't get it done when playoff time came, but they had the talent to do it. And I feel like the Dodgers' depth is where my safe money would go. Uh, as far as a dark horse, I, I, I kind of am a, a little higher on the Mets than some of these odds would say. I think they made a lot of big additions uh, this offseason. I think the Mets are a team that at plus 2,200 I might throw a couple shekels on just to make it interesting, uh, to give me somebody other than the obvious, uh, you know, the, kind of the, the usual suspects to root for there. So I, I would take my smart money and go with the Dodgers at plus 750. I can't believe they're the fourth best odds there. Uh, and my, my dark horse would be the Mets. I like it. I, I could definitely see the Met. With those pitch, I mean, literally, their whole season hinges on Syndergaard. If Syndergaard's healthy, they're, they are a major problem in the playoffs. Dan talked about the short They're just series. never healthy, though. They're and that's never the thing, healthy. is they're never healthy. Yeah, I'm a, yeah, but I mean, we talked about that with with the Dodgers too. I, I just I think if 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 they can stay healthy, you know, they added Edwin Diaz. I think he's one of the best closers in the game. I, I they they they've added some bats. I just I think the I think the Mets have 
kind of the makeup of a good team. Now, I could see them imploding like they have in years past uh, and, and facing some of those injuries. But if they can stay healthy, I, I think they have the talent to make it interesting. Uh, so I just I think as a dark horse pick, there's somebody that, that realistically could, you know, at least get a wild card and maybe sneak their way in if they get hot at the right time. I I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, I like Mickey Cowell in year two, and I like what Brody Van Wagenen's done too. So I, I could totally see it. I, like I said, the, the NL is in, it just incredibly deep. They're the complete opposite of the AL. Fair. So we heard your Astros pick, Dan. I know you said that you like the Braves as a dark horse. Uh, do you think – I mean, who do you think ends up pulling this thing out? Uh, from a World Series perspective – I'm going to repeat Anchi's quote. I think if you're picking anybody but the Astros, you're just getting cute. Uh, you know, it, the, the rotation's too deep. Every bat, you know, one through nine can put one out of the ballpark on you. Uh, well, one through eight, I guess, um, if you're counting World Series and uh, a pitcher hitting for three or four of those games. Uh, but for the most part, that whole lineup can take you yard and, and very easily, and it's combine that with the pitching staff they have. It's It's silly to just not pick the Astros. Fair. We made it through. I know it was. Uh, I know it was long. I, I, I appreciate the thoughts from both of you guys, and I always love hearing your brilliance when it comes to the the diamond. So uh, we made it through our, our predictions. We uh, appreciate the help from Bovada with those lines, uh, guys. Let's let's take this thing home, Anchi. Why don't you give us your oh by the way? Oh, I have a very somber oh by the way. I think you know what it is, Josh. I'm nuxing you through the phone with my thumb in the air for my boy number oh, nice. eighty seven. Jordy Nelson, RIP to his glorious NFL career, surefire Packer Hall of Famer. I uh, I will miss – he probably – there was an interesting Twitter poll. Would, if there's one guy from the, like, prime player from the Rodgers era that you'd want on this specific team, who would it be? I think almost everybody, like 80% of the people voted for Jordy. So um, what he did when he was healthy, when he got hurt, it really undid that offense in that franchise. And hopefully they can find someone to replace him, but I doubt it. So Jordy, amazing. Some of the best plays in Packer history. You will be missed for sure in Green Bay. Yeah, happy trails, Jordy. That's uh, that's one of my all-time favorites as well, going all the way back to his days at Kansas State. Dan, what are your thoughts yeah, here on by the way? I'm going to use my, by the way, for uh, maybe a leftovers first. If you can just go back and ignore everything I said about Michigan and the strength of the Big Ten, uh, please go back and just erase that part of the show. Uh, currently down 24 to 16 at halftime to <laughs> Texas Tech. So we may see a game, uh, you know, if the if the averages shake out, that ends under 50 for both teams. So, um, yeah, please reverse everything I said about the strength <laughs> of the Michigan Wolverines. Please and thank you. Give me that Men in Black mind eraser thing. Also I'm done. Also, we can't prove it, but aren't you kind of predicted the future with these two, two dumpy games here that are going on as we close out the show? <laughs> uh, Mayo, by the way, I'm going to stay on brand and talk a little bit more about the NBA because this is getting close uh, to being finalized as far as the playoffs. And obviously, you know, like I said, I'm a little disappointed in this NCAA tournament. The next tournament that I care about is the NBA playoffs, and obviously my, my Cavs are still duking it out for one of the bottom three spots, and it, it's looking like they might get it uh, with your Bulls uh, now. It's going to be tough. 
tight. 21 yeah. and 55. The Cavs at 19 and 57 after a loss to the Spurs tonight in a close one. But uh, the, really, the only the only spot that that uh, we don't know who will get in is at the eight spot in in the East. It could you know they could move up to seven, but you've got Brooklyn. Uh, well, Detroit, Brooklyn, and Miami all within a game of each other, and then Orlando is just a half a game behind them, and the Hornets a game behind the Magic. So they're still duking it out in the East for positioning. Uh, the West a little bit more uh, clear, or a little bit more clarity there. It looks like the Kings should be eliminated within the next game or two, and the uh, the top eight there are probably going to stand. But there is there is going to be some positioning uh, wars there from five to seven. So. Five to eight, even so, it'll be interesting to see how things shake out and what those matchups are going to look like. Uh, I think that the the playing field has has gotten a little bit more even this year than it's been in years past, and I don't think the Warriors are the juggernaut. They're still probably going to be favored to win uh, significantly, and we'll check with check in with Bovada, Bovada next week on that. But uh, I think that this NBA playoffs could be a fun one. So that's my oh by the way, that's all we have for you. Did anything anything you guys wanted to add before we let our listeners get to their weekend? I want to just mention, if you stayed up, if you're listening to this show tomorrow morning and you stayed up to watch this Virginia-Oregon game, God bless you. The last three possessions, Oregon goes down, tries to shoot a three from like 12 feet behind the arc, misses. Virginia comes down, does the exact same thing. Oregon comes down, turns the ball over. It's 18 to 15 with four minutes left. Beautiful. That's beautiful <laughs> basketball. So it's, a, yeah. it's a microcosm of the way this tournament's been. But for Anchukana and Dan Bauer... I'm Josh Dunn. This has been The Leftovers. We will see you next week.